friends and welcome to Girls Camp. It is me, Haley Rawl, your host. Today I have a wonderful conversation with one of my dear friends, Lucy Hutchins. Lucy and I are actually talking about friendship. I brought Lucy on for this episode specifically very thoughtfully because Lucy is such a wonderful friend. She is so wise. She is so insightful. I knew she would have really good thoughts and advice on this topic, and she definitely does. She also shares her own story of leaving Mormonism, deconstructing the faith. It is such a rich story. I learned so much from hearing her talk about it. So we talk about her story and then jump into the questions that you all submitted and talk about friendship and what it's like to be mostly a woman. We are mostly talking about female friendships, but we do touch on male friendships as well. But we talk about what it's like to be an adult, to be figuring out friendships, to be finding friends, especially if there's a faith transition element or if you've moved. This is something that, as I've mentioned before, I've kind of been working through in my own life, and I've had a lot of friendship shifts in this past year. So it felt very timely. And if you are out there trying to figure out the friendship stuff, you are not alone. I think I say that a billion times in today's episode, but I'll say it one more time. I'm going to forego the campfire chat for today and just jump straight into the interview. Here it is. I'm excited. I'm excited. I can't and when wait. I posted that you were coming on, of course, my DMs were just flooded with Lucy, Lucy, OMG, oh my I'm so gosh, excited. Lucy, that's Lucy. So nice. I know. I was like, yes, I know. I feel the same way. That is so I nice. know you've said on Maddie's podcast before, you're like, I am the podcast guest. I am a guest. I'm a you're perpetual such a good guest. Podcast guest. I love being a guest. I'm like, you yeah. should just guest on everyone's podcast. I will. I, it's, I will. It's great. <laughs> I was telling Bentley, now that I have a podcast, whenever I get asked to guest, it's so nice. It's just great to be a guest. I'm like, yeah. someone else is going to edit this. Totally. Someone yeah. else is like doing all of this and just to come and talk. I will yeah, just go and talk. Yeah. On your comfy couch. It's the best. It's the best. <laughs> thank you so much for being here. Of course. I'm so honored because this is one of my favorite podcasts. Aw, thank you. And so to you. be on it is like crazy. Oh my gosh. Surreal. And thank I know you. we're friends, but still. Thank you. That means a lot to me. I have been thinking a lot. I'm so excited to have you on for this episode because we're talking about friendship adult friendship, female friendship, potentially faith transition friendships. And it feels very fitting to have you on because we've become friends yeah. within the year. Mm -hmm. I feel like me doing the podcast was how we connected. I yeah. mean, mutual friends. It yeah, was yeah. like a piece of it. It feels very fitting for the topic at hand. I agree. And it feels hopeful to me. I was reading through foreshadowing these questions we're going to get into. And it really breaks my heart that so many women just struggle with friendships, myself included. And reading through these questions, the first thing I felt was like, I just want women, adult women to know they're not alone. Yeah. It's hard. Oh, yeah. I think every woman struggles with this at, at some one point. point. Yeah. Yes, totally. And I feel like for me, it feels, again, nice to talk about this coming from a place of kind of having had a struggle and then found friends like you mm -hmm. and hopefully saying stay hopeful, keep trying. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it takes time, yeah. but it can happen. So we will get into all of that. But before we do, I would love if you could introduce yourself generally, who you are, what you do. And then 
I'm going to ask you to do the impossible task of your Mormon story in a nutshell. So why don't you start out with a general introduction? Okay, cool. My name's Lucy, and I am a stay-at-home mom. I have a two-year-old named Betty. Me and my husband, we're actually both stay-at-home parents, but we do run a business together called Moby Thrift. Mm -hmm. This is our going into our seventh year. No way. Yeah. Yeah, seventh year. Is that crazy? It is. It flew so fast, and I don't even remember the hard early years you know what I mean everyone's like just get through those early years and I'm like oh yeah we did that it's so weird I had another business that I recently have closed just because that's a whole other conversation I could have about retroflect Mm -hmm. I was gonna ask you about that because I didn't know if that was officially closed or on pause or anything yeah I'll still take dms of people saying can you make me I made custom mirrors it's kind of hard to explain without seeing it Mm. but Yeah, so me and my husband, we sell vintage clothes, and then we sell this Princess Diana shirt, and we've been selling the Princess Diana shirt for three years. We've just never needed to make another shirt, Yeah, which is crazy. It's changed our lives. So, so, so grateful for it. But we're getting into making other t-shirts now. We just, we love vintage clothes so much. We want to create clothes. If we're going to create clothes, we want it to have the integrity of a vintage Love it. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. That's what we do. And I love, love being able to stay at home with our daughter. and Sweet buddy. It's so fun. Yeah. Our girls are friends and they're so cute. I know. They're so cute. They're, let's see, Betty is, she just turned two. So she's five months older. Yeah. I love having mom friends with babies a stage or two ahead because it's fun to see the future and get all the advice too. Yeah. Yeah. We could have a whole separate conversation about... I actually was thinking of talking to you about this, so I'll, I'll we'll talk about it soon in the future, but just about running a business. Yeah. I feel like there's so much to be said there. Starting yeah. a business, and I think there is probably, I can imagine, a lot of overlap with faith stuff, too, and womanhood, and yeah, all of that. Well, and also, what I have learned recently, as I have closed my other business, is learning to let things go and be okay with that. Being able to go with the flow and like whatever changes in your life, and I just... I didn't need to be doing that anymore, but I was holding on to it so much because I had put so much work into it. Mm. And uh, I just had to be like, this isn't it anymore. And that's okay. It feels maybe not embarrassing, but it's just hard to start something and then have to end it, you know? Yes. But to be proud of the work that you put into it is like really, really important. So I've had a lot of life lessons learned as I have kind of closed that business. Yeah, I can imagine. Really interesting. Yeah. A business really is like a relationship. I've never thought about it until you were saying that. I'm like, it does feel like a relationship in so many ways. It is. It's Moby is like our first baby. We Uh always say that. And it feels like we have raised it. Yeah. And And now you're seeing it like thriving. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's so cool. Okay. Why don't you give your Mormon story in a nutshell? So a little bit of context about how you grew up all of it up until stepping away. Okay. I'll try to be as I brief know, as I can. Hard. I know it's, it's hard. hard. Our family goes all the way back. Wilfred Woodruff is my great, great, great <gasps> grandpa. I did not know that. My mom's maiden name is Woodruff. So we're we're right there at wow. the very beginning. Yeah, And I loved my church upbringing. I feel like I had a very, I'm, as I've listened to your podcast and other podcasts about ex-Mormonism, it feels like a unique experience to grow up in the church and love Mm. love your experience and I never had a weird bishop experience I loved all of my bishops so much I loved my leaders still to this day like I stay in touch with all of them and I just feel so grateful for that I loved 
just loved my experience overall. It was really amazing. I served a mission, which I also loved yeah. to this day. I am so grateful for it. I served in London in the visitor center, right in central London. So, I mean, how could you yeah. not love Pretty it? Pretty amazing it's mission. Literally I can the best mission ever. Yeah. Then soon after my mission, I got married. That's actually how I met my husband is I met his brother on my mission and then he introduced us. So we got married and we were churchgoers for probably three years. Mm. And then I could just tell Drew wasn't as into it. And I, I just gave him the permission. You don't need to be coming for me. Like he didn't even have doctrinal issues. It was just kind of like, eh, I don't like this, you know? Totally. And I was like, you can you can be, stay home. I'm totally fine with that. So I went alone to church for probably a year. Wow, I didn't realize And that was like in the young woman's presidency. And going to church alone is so rough. So, so rough. And this is where I started having ward issues. Like I had a really weird bishop experience in this ward. And that's when I started to be like, wait. This is when things started unraveling a little bit for mm. me. What was the bishop experience? I had told him that I was struggling with tithing because someone really close to me actually came out to me. It feels like this Renaissance painting in my mind, like them telling me, them coming out to me, and behind me is this giant family proclamation. I started like putting the pieces together, being like, this feels so wrong. And obviously, you're, at least for me, constantly making excuses for knowing what how wrong it is how the church treats the lgbtq community and making so many excuses for it and this is when i was like how many more excuses can i make mm -hmm. and the next day i like took my family proclamation down i had those like really modern big ones uh, you know what i mean took those down and i was like wait how can i be paying tithing to this institution that is so against it was like I stepped into reality in that moment. Like I had known. I knew in the back of my mind, this is wrong. I made so many excuses for it. And then I was like, okay, I got to face reality here. Yeah. This is wrong. Yeah. So what do you do? You talk to your bishop about the issues that you're having, right? And I wanted a temple recommend, but I didn't want to keep paying tithing. And so I told him, I'm really struggling with this. I need to know like where my money is going. But... I don't feel like I can do this. And so he took my temple recommend away from me. Yikes. And he was like, you can either back pay everything that you owe and then get your recommend back or from this point on promise to pay in full and then you can get your recommend back. And I was like, but I <laughs> so I'm in this impossible position here. And then having to tell my parents, I can't go to the temple because my mom would want to go with me. And I was a big temple goer. Yeah, it sounds like you were very active. I was. Yeah. I was like so, so in it. To have my temple recommend taken away, I was like, okay, this sucks so bad. But I, I was like, okay, I'll just keep paying so I can get my temple recommend yeah. back. Let's see. I think it was COVID when mm. we all stopped going to church yeah. and it was like, wait, this is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. COVID happened and I stopped going, obviously. Around that time, I was like, okay, I have lots of questions now at this point, and I want them answered. Like, I, ha I think I have a note in my phone that's like, this year, I'm going to get all of my questions answered. And that's my goal is I'm going to ask, ask, ask. 
And unfortunately, I did. <laughs> I you, got all my You questions. got all your answers. Yeah. But yeah, I, I had actually talked to my bishop a few months before COVID. And I was like, I think I need a break. I need to be released. And it was a new bishop. And he was so awesome. It restored my faith in humanity. He was like, take a break. Come back whenever you need. He was so, cool. so awesome. So I stopped going. I just was like in Young Women's and realized I was dreading every single week. And I was making excuses to not go on Wednesdays. I was feeling sick when I had to teach just because I had so many questions that I didn't even feel comfortable teaching these girls anymore because I was like, I don't know. Totally. If you have a I don't know the answer to it. Totally. I was able to take a break. Cool. And then COVID and I was like, okay, now I really don't have to go. And that's when I really, really started to question everything and then at the end of 2020 I actually had a miscarriage and that's when I started questioning my faith in God so I had been questioning the church itself but never questioned God ever I always was like my jokes always me and the Holy Ghost are so tight I always said that I feel the spirit so strong I know when a prayer is being answered that situation I I wasn't like God doesn't love me because this happened to me I was just like what would happen if I stopped trying if I stopped praying and I stopped giving everything to this imaginary being and I just focused on myself what would my life be like if I just put all of that faith in myself oh yeah and I did and every it was honestly so hard to stop talking to God because I was constant like I felt like I was in constant communication wow I was all in my car I was talking out loud to God I was always praying in the back of my mind always praying and looking back I'm like maybe that was a little bit of scrupulosity is Mm, that what it's called yeah religious OCD to a small extent Mm. and so to change that habit was crazy to be like okay I had to really force myself don't talk to god you can't like you gotta see what happens if you don't go inside go inside yeah Yeah. and that has made me the person i am today like i put everything into myself and realized that everything in my life happened because of me and everything going forward is happening because of me i'm not giving the credit to someone else now to this imaginary father being that maybe is there i don't know but I know I'm here and Mm -hmm. I'm in control of my life. So I'm going to put everything into myself and my life has changed so much for the better just from that one act. And then there's the whole deconstructing of the actual religion. So there 2021 was my, my angry year. I was so pissed. So I I did it all. I listened to letter to my wife. Mm -hmm. I found the CES letter to be a little complicated and I'm not a huge reader. I'm a listener. And so I could listen to letter to my wife, but I couldn't, I couldn't figure out, or I did listen to the CES letter, but it felt like listening to the scriptures because it was, I can so see that it sounded like the audio on like the LDS app. It sounded like the audio of the scriptures and it's talking about so much church stuff. My brain was like, you're listening to a church thing right now funny but letter to my wife didn't feel that way and it was like easier to digest for me so i always recommend that to people and it has the same resources it's all the same it's, information yeah yeah i became i mean talk about scrupulosity whatever the opposite of that is i became obsessed for a year straight of learning about the church obsessed i've put hundreds of hours into learning about like the truth about the church yeah i have watched like every single mormon stories i have I think that's a really good resource for learning about the truth about the church. Absolutely, yeah. Because their resources are 
real and from the church and just hearing people's experiences. That's why I think your podcast is so important because during that year, I was like, there, I feel like there's not a space for women. Mm-hmm. Mormon Stories is so great, but we need something that is for women run by women. I've told you that before, but that's why I'm so grateful for your podcast because I was like, oh my gosh, this is the community that we need. Mm-hmm. But thanks, I was pissed for a year. I was like the classic ex-Mormon would fight anyone who wanted to ready to go (laughs) ready to go i would try not to start stuff but if someone mentioned the church i was like you want to talk about it especially (laughs) when you have all that information you were like armed you were like no i know i know it was fresh on my mind yeah and i knew i knew everything like i said my questions all got answered and so yeah i became obsessed for a full year and then i just learned to just calm down and accept that this was my new life yeah and this is new information and it's real and i can just live with that i don't need to be i don't need to actively seek out fights about totally totally (laughs) i'm so glad i was not on twitter during that oh yeah honestly that's the thing that that can get fueled right and it's it can be hard to step away from that yeah i i can totally understand that yeah but very fair very valid for that time as you're actively learning that information you can't help but feel like why is everybody not talking about this all the time hello yes yeah and i mean it also felt so lonely really lonely because i didn't know a single person who knew this information that i knew i knew people who had left the church but i didn't know what letter to my wife was or cs letter until i heard it on mormon stories so i felt like so alone in this journey and I did not feel comfortable telling my family about it even though they're just my parents are active members and I dreaded this sit down conversation of we're leaving the church that was one thing I was like I can never do I hear people's experiences and I knew my parents would be supportive like no matter what but it's still heartbreaking for them and I just can't have a sit down important conversation I struggle so much with that yeah it's scary it's so scary props to literally everyone who does it because That's the scariest thing ever, especially if your parents can't come back with love and support. Yeah, even with very loving, supportive parents, it still feels so scary. Luckily, I never had to have that conversation. I think my parents just knew. And my mom actually has, she became a huge support for me and I was able to talk to her about a lot of stuff, but I didn't, I didn't really need to. I just stopped wearing my garments and started posting on Sundays. I was at brunch (laughs) and... I just, I was leaving little breadcrumbs so I didn't have to have that that's conversation. Nice. And yeah. that's a me thing. That's not a them thing. No, but thing. I think that's a, that's, I'm glad for you speaking to that because it just speaks to the fact like there's no, you don't have to do, I don't know. I feel like there's certain things. When did you tell your family? If they know, they know. Totally. There's certain things. It's just going to be different for everybody. Yeah, and it no sounds right like way. that worked out beautifully for you and your family. It really, it really did. Good. And they've accepted my new life. But I also feel like I don't want to talk about this publicly because I do. I now have a deep love and understanding for my upbringing and for every member of the church. For a while, I was like, how? Like, how do people even know any of this information and stay? I was just so confused. But being able to like accept everything, I also accepted people who are still active yeah. and my upbringing and everything I used to believe and teach. It was, I just accepted all of it and it's fine now, but still feeling so lonely that there was no place to talk about. This is the first time I've yeah. ever talked about it. Yeah. I did last year, I made like a separate Instagram account because I was getting a lot of questions. Whenever I would do a question box, 
people would ask me about the church and I didn't even want to answer that publicly because I just respected my family members and my friends who are still members of the church and I need a place where I can be honest and yeah. I can be myself. And so I, I made this other account and I got 500 followers overnight of people who were in the same, like, same exact position. That was crazy to me. So I was like, okay, people want to talk about it, but totally, I still can't talk about it publicly. I still don't feel comfortable talking about it publicly. Yeah. Like on my Instagram. Totally. But I've accepted my new life now and life gets better after you leave the church. And I mean, some people might disagree, but I will just say it's okay. Like things are going to be okay. If yep. you're so scared to leave the church, it's going to be okay. And it might take a minute, but you'll get there. Amen. <sighs> Amen. Oh, I, there's so much we could get into. Thank you so much for that. Of course. I love everything you said. I think it's unique and I think it's important that you spoke to having what feels and felt ideal as a Mormon growing up in Mormonism, going on a mission, because in some ways it almost feels like that potentially made your leaving harder. Yeah. Because you didn't have all of these things to pull from of, oh, you know, but I was a teen who got shamed and all these things. I've never really thought about that. Yeah, I had none of that. Like, I was not leaving because of any experience I had ever had yeah. in the church. I mean, the bishop thing was weird, but I would have stayed yeah. because of that. But it was because I I learned the truth. Yes. And I had this, I had a whole separate religion crisis and a whole separate God crisis. Totally. And man, those two things are so rough. But yeah, it was never my upbringing in the church. So it did feel unique and a little lonely. Yeah, I can imagine. There's a complicated thing when people say, no, I really enjoyed my Mormon upbringing. I think people push back against that. But I think that's an experience that's so valid, duh, obviously, because it's one you had. Yeah. But also, I think it's important to talk about that because it can be a really lovely, beautiful experience to grow up as a Mormon, to serve a mission. And it can also still lead to someone leaving the church yeah. for various reasons. Yeah. And so I appreciate you speaking to that experience because usually people have some cracks along the way, mm -hmm. but that's not always the experience yeah. of ending up as a post-Mormon. So I think yeah. it's important you speak to that. Yeah. I also love so much what you said about the God thing and how many layers there are of deconstruction. And I think there's so much there with being so connected to God, but feeling like perhaps that has taken you away from yourself yeah. in really important ways. Yeah. That sounds like that was a huge shift. And you said it changed your life and changed yeah. who you are. Yeah, it really did. Uh, again, I had never met anyone who went through that. A lot of post-Mormons that I know still would say they're Christian or they still believe in God and letting go of this idea of Jesus feels impossible, which I totally understand. But being able to let go of that completely, it has changed the relationship I have with myself. I'm a completely different person now than I was in, in 20. 2021, 2022 even. Yeah. And yeah, it, it's just helped me with lots of different aspects of my life and just being able to look at things differently and let go of these limiting mindsets because that was the ultimate limiting mindset, believing in God and Jesus. But letting, in what ways for you? I feel like all of my life choices were based around God's approval. Mm. And uh, 
the church's approval. Yeah. And never feeling like I have to be this person that God wants me to be or trying to be like Jesus, even though I obviously think Jesus represents all things good and trying to be like Jesus is like an amazing thing to do. But like taking credit for that, like it's my life. Like I should be able to take credit for the good things that I'm doing and the choices that I'm making and not feel so not really forced, but pressured into doing certain things that I wouldn't even want to do. It's like, what do I actually want for my life? Who do I want to be as a person? Like, what decisions do I want to make? Like, being able to be in control of that in my life was something I had never really thought of. Like, I I did feel disconnected from myself. Yeah. Because I put everything in God's hands. Everything. And now it's in my hands and life is way better. So it just has been very like telling and has helped with being able to let go of other things or overcome other limiting mindsets, you know? That makes so much sense. I think so much about how decision making is hard anyway, as a human being. (laughs) And then I would add this layer onto it of, I feel like this is right, but oh no, who am I to listen to myself? Now I need to take this to God. Yeah. And that was always very ambiguous and abstract for me anyway. So then I have this added layer of, okay, I need to say a prayer. And okay, how am I feeling? Is that an answer? Is that not an answer? Is this one that God's letting me choose on? It is a lot of mental energy away from just tapping into self. Yeah. That even just logistically for time and mental space, I have found it immensely relieving just to say, I'm going to make a decision. Yes. This feels right. Yes. Or this feels like a good option. Yeah. Okay. It just takes away all these extra steps and layers that always to me felt complicated and abstract anyway. Yeah, totally. Just being able to make a normal decision, even a huge decision, and take out all that extra fluff yes. and just trust yourself. Yes. Is crazy. Yes. I was thinking this the other day because Bentley and I feel 99% done having kids. Mm -hmm. And I was upstairs and I'm packing away some clothes for Maddie for her baby. Mm -hmm. So I was like going through my girl's clothes. And as I was packing stuff away, I had this thought of, oh my gosh, like what if I decide I want another kid? And I had, for the first time in a long time, I had a feeling of, oh my gosh, what if that's God telling me that? Was that a prompting? Because it felt like such a strong thought outside of what I feel like I know I want. And it was so weird to unpack sitting there being like, we have thoughts as human beings. And because I'm putting away my newborn baby's clothing, I'm thinking about them as newborns. And maybe I will want another kid down the road, but I can just choose. I don't have to put this moment, log this moment as like, well, God told me. Yes, this inkling was maybe the spirit. That's going to make it more complicated because down the road, when I decide if I want another kid, it will probably in a very real way be about logistics and where I'm at in life and where my family's at in life. And that feels almost selfish and natural man coded. But truly, that's probably how decisions should be made. And not to say that there isn't obviously this soul element, this element of intuition, which I so strongly believe in, but just realizing, oh, I think I was putting so much into these like random thoughts and feelings when I can now take a step back and be like, I actually really still don't think I want another child Mm -hmm. and I'm open to change. But me having this nostalgic moment with my children's baby clothing is not 
God telling me to do something that I actually don't want to do anyway. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I have just tapped into my intuition. That has been the biggest thing that I have learned is your intuition is real. And that is what the spirit was. Because I, like I said, me and the Holy Ghost are tight. I felt things so strongly when it came to decisions. And I was like, that's the answer to my prayer. And when I stopped, when I was like, okay, I'm going to take a break from God and see what happens. I learned that as my intuition and it's so real. Like what we feel inside is real and we have to follow that. So yeah, huge life lesson, but it is, it's so funny. Sometimes I'll still be like, should I, should I pray about that? Totally. (laughs) You feel like the intuition, I love that because until you step away from all those layers of God, Holy Ghost, in my opinion, and in my experience as well, it's really difficult to parse out the intuition thing, because Mm -hmm. I now see God and even the Holy Ghost as layers of authority beyond self of, I feel this way, but was that the Holy Ghost? Is that sanctioned by God? And now you can just be like, I feel this way. I think this thing. And that's it. (laughs) It's just a lot clearer. It's so simple. Yeah. It really can be a lot more simple than it was. Yeah. That relates to me in a huge way to friendship, which is what we're talking about, because I was reading through a lot of these questions, as I said last night, and I was thinking, man, I don't fucking know, right? I don't know. I don't have any special answers. I don't have any special wisdom. I only have my experiences. But as I was reading through these questions, something I feel like I sensed in this faith transitioning post-Mormon community is women who are learning to trust themselves. Absolutely. This totally relates to friendships, making new friends, especially, or phasing out an old friendship. Intuition is everything. I always say when you're trying to make new friends, shoot your shot and read social cues. Mm. And that That's the formula. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And obviously, like, how do you feel when you're with someone? Like, that is my number one indicator. And I always tell people, I know within the first, like, day of meeting someone, if we're for lifers, like, if we're going to be friends. Yeah. Because of the way I feel when I'm around them. And I feel like tapping into my intuition, myself, has just taught me how to also read other people better because I know how I feel around them now. And I am looking inwards and I'm not basing all these decisions off of somebody else. It's mine to make. And so yes. I just know, I know the vibe when I'm with someone and I sound? feel, yeah, I know the influence. And I, I know, know the, the vibe. vibe. <laughs> and I, I think that is humongous when meeting new friends. Yes. And I think there's something about friendships too, that I've been really trying to think through myself in my friendships and in kind of what my friendships have gone through because I've had a lot of friendship shifts in the past year. And I've realized that friendships, I think, are very not reliant upon, but I think there's a lot to consider about intentions Mm -hmm. behind friendships. Yeah. And this reminds me, the best way I can relate it to is in like romantic relationships where it's, do you want to date that guy because you actually like him or do you want that guy to like you? Do you want to get that guy to like you because he's not really showing interest in you or because you feel like you actually will really get along with this person? Mm -hmm. And in my journey of friendship, I feel like I've noticed patterns of behavior that I've had when I was 
dating men in my case where it's like it's easy sometimes to chase something as opposed to taking a step back and being like, do I really connect with this person? Do I feel like we relate? Do I feel like we have things in common and we get along? And that's just one example of checking in on your intentions as well. And I think in the world that we live in and in the social media landscape, it can get confusing sometimes why you are wanting certain friends or even things that you're wanting from friends because we see so much friendship performed to us online. Mm -hmm. And so I think this intuition thing is really important in the sense that it can help you check in with what am I really looking for? What do I really need? Yeah. And maybe that sounds kind of woo woo, but I feel like it, it feels intentionality feels important to me. No, totally. I think that's so important to relate to friendships because I think any sort of human relationship is that important to take that kind of look at it. Anyone who is coming into your life, you have to feel it out just like that. And I feel like friendships don't have to be so all or nothing. Like you're, you don't have to meet someone for them to become your new best friend and you can meet someone and it's just somebody that you go grab lunch with once in a while. It can be someone where just your spouses are friends. So you become friends through them and that's the extent of your relationship or your kids just play together. There are so many variations of friendships that are totally okay and you don't have to push something that is you don't have to force it if it's not there you can just be friends in that setting and that's great because again these human relationships that we have are those are important even those little ones are so important no matter what the extent is i think yes i love that too i've been thinking about how one of my struggles with friendship is that i had an incredibly close, tight-knit group of friends that we all, because we grew up in Provo, we all went to high school together and then we all went to college together or we all lived in the same place. So I think I got used to a type of friendship that's very rare in adulthood. That makes sense. Because I was so used to these type of friends were people I was literally seeing every single day we would make dinner together Mm -hmm. it was like whose house are we hanging at tonight we all got married around the same time so then we were doing like newlywed stuff together it was very tight-knit and really wonderful in a lot of ways but I've realized as people have moved and as we've grown up and certain people have had kids that's just not a realistic way to be friends Mm -hmm. in certain stages of life yeah and it has been a hard thing to let go of because I loved that closeness. But to your point, realizing you have to allow friendships to change. You have to allow friendships to take different forms. And you have to also, in that same breath, allow friendships to sometimes completely grow apart because you will need different things at different stages of life. Yeah. Even since starting this podcast, I feel like the things that are on my mind now are very different than the things that were on my mind before. And I found myself gravitating towards women who own businesses, for example, because I have a lot of thoughts and questions and ideas that it feels helpful to me to talk to people who have done it before me, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's relatable to you now, even though it wasn't before. Exactly. And now I feel like I have friends that I've come to in this phase of life in a large part because of that. And then I have friends that are, like you said, my husband is friends with their husband. So we go on date nights 
once every few months. Like there's just so many different ways to be friends with people and none of them are wrong. Yeah. And I also think sometimes we look at other people having friendships and we think, oh, well, that's the exact thing I want, which is fair. But also I don't think you can see into a friendship and actually know how it's functioning. Oh, yeah, totally. Which I think sometimes we do. And I I guess this is just to say, I think anyone anywhere has these varying levels and degrees of friendship that might appear different from an outside perspective. But I think that's important for me to check in on is realizing like everyone just has different types of friends in different types of ways. Yeah, there's no right way to do it, right or wrong way to do it. I saw this TikTok the other day, or I, I read this study. <laughs> In the New York Times. Yeah, no, an article I definitely <laughs> saw a TikTok of this girl that was like, can we normalize having two friends? She's like, I just have two friends. And when my husband says, invite all your friends out, she's like, I have two. And they're both busy. There's nothing wrong with that. If you have this longing desire to add more to your life, then obviously you can seek that out. But if you're fine with that, you can't compare yourself to these people who have a million friends and are having girls nights constantly and they feel like they're just always doing stuff like it's okay if you just have two friends exactly and even if you want more friends it's wonderful to have two friends yeah and I think that's part of what I've just really been reflecting on reading through some of these questions is just feeling like man I feel like social media can be so useful for making friends so wonderful for connecting with people but can be so damaging because you can feel like your two friends are not enough because it's not enough people to do a really lovely friendsgiving (laughs) or a really cool girls trip or what have you and I think as you said if you're looking for that's something you can seek out and you can even like manifest in Mm -hmm. whatever ways but I do think It can get more confusing because you can feel content just like anything, just like you feel in your own home or in your marriage or with the clothing you wear. It's difficult to actually know if you're content when you're seeing so many other people. Totally. It's like, what would happen if we didn't have our phones? We would all be really content. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Such a good intro. So many thoughts. Let's hop into some of these questions that people wrote in. I'm excited to hear. I know. And we can keep breaking this down because... As I said, I think the biggest thing I would say is a lot of people are figuring this out. Yeah, we're not alone. We're not alone. We're all in it together. Yes, we're all in it together. Okay, so the first question is, I'm having a difficult time finding friends that are in a similar phase of life as me. My husband and I have a one-year-old son and just recently went through a faith crisis. Any ideas? Okay, this is what I always recommend to people. Facebook groups. And people, I swear, people will think that's so weird, but there's a Facebook group for literally everything. everything. Every hobby, every phase of life, everything. Very in, niche In your of area life. too, yeah. like in your local area. But it is something where you have to be willing to meet up with a stranger. Like you have to be like, hey, I want to make friends. Who's down to try to hang out? You have to be that type of person for a Facebook group, but... If you are, it's such an amazing option. I think Faith Journey Meetups is an amazing yes. Facebook group. I That helped me so much when I first left the church. Oh my gosh, I don't know what I would do without that group. Love it so much. Same. And women are always posting, hey, I live in this area. I have this. My child is this age. These are my interests. Would anyone want to meet up? And they do. People make friends that way. Yes. And I think it's a really good way to make friends if you're willing. I agree. I think it feels like 
uh, why do I have to go to a Facebook group to make friends? But it's like a dating app where it's, it is what it is now. Exactly. Yeah. It's a resource that I feel like it's silly not to use if you're looking for friends because you can say I'm on a Facebook group of twin moms, for example. Yeah. And being a twin mom is a niche experience. And sometimes I have specific twin mom questions and I can find twin moms who live nearby me. I also think along that same vein, one of the things about mom friends, mom friends is a very specific thing. I think it can be more difficult in one sense, but in another sense, it's such a common ground thing. Maybe there's someone on Instagram that you knew in high school and you didn't really talk to, but you end up following each other on Instagram and they have a child your same age and they seem cool. DM them because they have a child your same age Mm -hmm. and say, we go to the museum on Tuesdays. Does that work for you? And it's so much less... I don't know. It just feels like a very easy entry point to meet people. It's saying, yeah. we have this common thing. Yeah. Does your kid like to go to the park? Let's go to the park together. And I also wanted to say with that, it is like dating, I think, in the fact that don't expect to reach out to one person or hop on the Facebook group and your problems are solved. Yeah. It's probably going to take it a lot work. of yeah. yes, work. Getting out of your comfort zone again and again, reaching out to different people, It's like dating. You have to go on multiple dates until you maybe find someone that you're like, oh, let's do this again sometime. Yeah. And getting let down. Like, it's not going to work out with everybody. You might meet up with someone and the energy is just off. That's fine. Yeah. Or you might shoot your shot and they're not. It's not even that they don't respond, but they are not agreeing to the plan or saying, I can't this day. I can't this day. You got to leave the ball in their court and just know if they don't reciprocate, then it's probably not going to work out. Yes. Read social cues is an important piece of the formula that you laid out. Yeah. (laughs) It is. I think it's important because like dating, you could have a great time with someone that's a potential friend. And then if they're not reciprocating, then you probably should go and try and find someone who's reciprocating. Yeah. Because you deserve that, right? You deserve to be friends with someone who's like equally invested and wants to spend time with you as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. So I think that's an important piece of the puzzle. And I think maybe a nice reframe as opposed to I like this person. They don't seem to like me is no, I want to be friends with people who are anxious to hang out with me Tot- as well. Yeah, totally. And enjoy our time together as yeah, well. I agree. The other thing I was thinking with this one is mutual friends can be a really huge resource, even with people you don't know super well. Because I was thinking about Kylie is one of my dearest friends who I've recently become friends with. And she was a friend of a friend. She got pregnant at the same time as me. And I was like, oh, I'm pregnant. She's pregnant. She gets along with this mutual friend. And so we connected through that mutual friend. There was already a common ground. But even still, I was thinking about my friendship with Kylie we had to like court each other, right? Like it was like, okay, let's go to lunch. And we didn't know each other very well. And it like feels nerve wracking. And then we like went to lunch and then it was like, you text each other after lunch. That was so fun. Let's do it again sometime. It is. And even if you get along, I think my point with that is like, you might have to continually push yourself out of your comfort zone in order to like get to a place of comfortability with a friend as well. Totally agree. And I think that mutual friends can be a great resource. Maybe you even have family members and you notice that your sister-in-law is hanging out with someone that has a dog and you have a dog. That could be a resource where you can be like, oh, we could go to the dog park together, see if we get along. Yeah, totally. Love that. 
Okay, this is a tricky one. How do you deal with an adult friend you realize has been manipulative? I had an argument with who I thought was my best friend, and it revealed a lot about her and how she saw me beneath her. So they think their friend sees them as beneath them that I hadn't noticed before. How should I move forward? Ooh, should we talk about breakups? Yeah, friendship breakups. Yeah. Oh, there. I have had to cut one person out of my life. I think just one. It's it is a breakup. It is a. I had to write it out with my therapist, and I was sick to my stomach. And it's hard. It's really hard. But it's obviously worth it if this person is manipulating you, making you feel bad about yourself. If you're getting nothing out of this friendship, and they're just like a toxic person, it's obviously going to be worth it. But like, it has to happen. Yes, I think so too. I feel like especially using the word manipulative, it's like, where are you going to go from there? Yeah. And I think it's so difficult with friends. You were talking about this with your business. If you've invested a lot, this person's calling them a best friend. Yeah. Yeah. You've invested a lot of time and energy. You have a lot of memories together. You have a lot of life together. It can be really difficult in that situation to realize, even if it's not to the point of manipulation, but just to realize this friendship isn't serving me anymore or us anymore. Mm -hmm. It's like the sunk cost fallacy of, but wait, we've done so much of life together. Like we've gotten to this point. It can be really difficult to do. But I do think that a lot of times you outgrow friendships, whether they become toxic, hopefully not, or just because they become, you just no longer are in the same phase of life and don't get along anymore. I appreciate you speaking to that because last week I spoke on the podcast to a friendship breakup I had recently yeah, and I found myself feeling so embarrassed, so much shame around it. Yeah. And I was like, wait, that's so odd because if I was dating and I broke up with my boyfriend, obviously there's still stuff around that, but I don't think I would feel embarrassed or ashamed. And we'd all be like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. But with friends, it almost... I was feeling like, oh, is this going to almost reflect as, oh, well, then you must be like a hard person or you must be like a crazy friend. But that's not the case, right? There doesn't even have to be toxicity to have friendships that are no longer serving you or the person in them. Yeah. But I feel like that's more of a taboo thing to speak to when in reality, I think so many of us have had friendship breakups in our adult life yeah and I don't think it always has to come with a breakup text or a sit down breakup does that even happen do people even sit down and go to lunch yeah (laughs) I think it's mostly over text now which I'm fine with yeah much better yeah (laughs) it doesn't always have to be that way sometimes it can just fizzle out again like I said you can leave the ball in their court and if nothing happens it's like okay totally sweet don't have to have that conversation but sometimes it does take a conversation And things just come in phases in life. And sometimes friendship is just one of those things as you both, like you said, as you get older and your interests change and your lifestyles change, sometimes that's just, that phases out with everything else too. And be so grateful for the time you had together, but it does feel hard to be like, I can't let that go because I've put so much work into it. But it's just some things in life are like that. It really is true. I think letting go is so hard generally. It's something I struggle with immensely. And I am trying to reframe letting go or losing friendships or phasing out of friendships 
really more than anything is a sign of growth and looking at it as even though it doesn't take away from how hard and devastating and complicated that can feel saying, oh, I'm really proud of myself that I've changed, right? I don't want to be the same person I was five years ago. And maybe I was super close to this person five years ago. But now because I'm different, it makes sense that my friendship would also shift yeah, and change. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And we were talking about this before with friendships when we were voice memoing about this episode. Friendships are really a strange relationship Yeah, because you're not married to them. Mm-hmm. You didn't make a commitment, which, duh, you can get divorced. And divorce is a wonderful, important option in a marriage. But a marriage is a little different because there's a commitment. Commitment, there. yeah. Where friendships, it's completely elective. Yeah. And they're not your family either. Yes. So you're also not stuck with them in that sense. Yes. They're just this middle ground that's yes. kind of just like floating there where you're not committed to them for life in yes. any way. And so that's why you really have to put the work in because, yeah, you're not married to them. Yes. You're both choosing <laughs> yeah. to hang out with each other. Yeah. <laughs> Just completely because you want to. Yeah. And so it also requires two people continually choosing that and continually wanting to invest in that. And I'm curious your thoughts on this. I've thought about this a lot. I feel like there's a little bit of a narrative around friendships that I agree with in one sense and completely disagree with in another, where people will say adult friendships shouldn't be hard. I don't want to have friendships anymore that are hard, implying that require too much work or Mm -hmm. too much effort. Yeah. And in one sense, I completely agree, because I think if a friendship is like pulling too much out of you, that's a huge sign that it's just maybe not a great friendship. But on the other hand, I feel sometimes that can be misconstrued in a way where it feels like we shouldn't expect our friends to be good friends. Mm -hmm. And we shouldn't expect... Okay, let me put a, a specific example around it. I have found myself in friendships where I'm feeling like I really need a friend to talk to. And I feel worried in my brain that if I reach out to this certain person, it's going to burden them Mm -hmm. and that I need to really make sure like they have the space and they have the time. I think for me, at least, I want to be in friendships now where I feel like, yeah, it might not be the most convenient time for you, but I know that if I'm struggling, you're going to be there for me. Because it's important enough to you Mm -hmm. to be there for me in my moment of struggle, whether or not you feel like you have all the space and time and energy in the world. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think there are different levels of hard. I think when it comes to putting in the work, that can be hard for some people, but it's worth it for them. Like planning a girl's night, being the one to reach out Mm -hmm. to your group chat and be like, let's plan a girl's night. I'll be in charge this month. We're going to do this. That can be hard. Like sometimes that doesn't come easily. But also what can be really hard is a friend who is really toxic or who's asking way too much of you. That's also hard. So I don't want my friendships to be hard in that sense. Totally. But I don't mind if they're hard in this sense where it's like, I'm. it's not easy for me to plan girls nights, but I know it's worth it and I want to do it. That's hard for me. I'm going to do it anyways. Totally. I don't want it to be hard where they're draining the life out of me. Sucking energy. Exactly. And that's why it's so complicated because there's no like cut and dry rules. I even was trying to research before this episode and there's just not a lot out there as far as you look into 
anything about romantic relationships and there's thousands and thousands of books and podcasts yeah. and things specifically catered around that. And I just don't feel like adult friendships are spoken to in that same sense. I think it's understudied and underspoken to, but I also think so much of it is just a case-by-case basis yeah, because of what we spoke to, right? Yeah. There's just so many different dynamics that can arise in friendships that it's difficult to say. But I think, yes, to your point, I think there's a huge difference between feeling like, oh, this person is toxic versus, oh, being a friend requires work. Yeah, It requires communication. It requires maybe sometimes, yeah, stepping out of my comfort zone or sometimes extending myself a little bit more Mm -hmm. because I want to for this person. And because any relationship, of course, requires some work. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why the whole narrative around hard friendships is really interesting because, yeah, it can mean so many different things. Yeah. And that's when it has to be like a tap into your intuition thing, I think, too. 100%. And also, there's going to be different levels of that with different people, which is why you have to find the people that you match up with. Yeah. I've been thinking about this a lot with friends. Like, there are some friends that our communication, we talk to almost every day. It's usually like a meme on Instagram. And there are some friends I don't talk to for literal months at a time. Yeah. And it's just different. Yeah. And it works wonderfully. But if the friend I talk to every day all of a sudden didn't talk to me for a week, I'd be like, whoa, what's going on? Mm -hmm. Because that's just not how we operate with each other. Yeah, for sure. And that's why there are no books and podcasts and information about friendships because every dynamic is so, so different. But again, when it comes to comparing, you can't compare your dynamic to another friendship's dynamic because what works for you could not work for them. And that's totally fine. Totally. And to be expected. Yeah. 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 Totally. Okay. Let's talk about the mixed faith stuff. Someone says, advice on navigating mixed faith friendships. I left the church last year and my friend admitted she didn't know how to be friends with someone who isn't Mormon because everyone in her life is Mormon. She is from Utah. I am not. It was so shocking to hear, but we are both trying to work through it. Wow. That's so interesting. Yeah. And that's really hard for someone to even have that mindset, I think, of, oh, I can't get along with you anymore. Because in my experience, leaving the church has really livened up a lot of my friends. So it's like they things have gotten better. Yeah. Um, Or they just haven't changed at all. And so I feel like it's hard, it's really hard to hold that against somebody and their character, thinking that leaving the church would change them that much to the point where you don't know how to be friends with them anymore. I mean, I'm talking to the girl who doesn't know how to talk to her. The receiver, the one who wrote in, that's just hard for her because what can she do except for keep living her life and show... It's the same with like family that are like, you're going to change and you're the light is gone from your eyes. It's like, if you really saw, I'm the exact same, if not better. So I don't know. Totally. I think that is such an important thing to speak to because I think one of the biggest fears I had leaving the church is almost trying to convince the people in my life like I'm not gonna really be all that different yeah and yes and no because obviously you do change a lot but core fundamental personality doesn't just all of a sudden completely shift because you leave the church yeah and so I think there is sometimes a mentality of people still in the church, like, well, this is going to change everything. And it's like, it may change, if anything, certain topics of conversation that maybe you just don't want to talk about, or maybe will be a little more difficult to navigate. But this 
person is not going to just be a different. They're literally the exact same person yeah. with different religious beliefs and mm-hmm. spiritual frameworks. And I would say to this person, I think that regardless of what you do with this friend, I was listening to what we said and JC and Chelsea were talking about this it is really important to find friends in your same phase of life. It doesn't mean that if you leave the church, you all of a sudden only can be friends with people who leave the church. If you have a baby, you can only be friends with people who have babies. I think it means, and JC and Chelsea spoke to this really well, it is important to have friends that are in a similar boat as you. If the Mm -hmm. boat is as significant as being a mom, as being post-Mormon, as living in the same state as you, what have you. So I think finding friends that can relate to your post-Mormon experience would be really important. Mm -hmm. And I think it could even help you in navigating this mixed faith friendship because you're not going to need the same validation from this person who's a Mormon because you can be getting that from post-Mormons. Yeah. Yeah. So she could put her energy into those type of friendships and then hopefully the energy within that friendship could still stay the same because she's getting her fix of the post-Mormon friendship somewhere else. Uh, And I think about that a lot. I think about how I've been able to maintain such closeness with my family members who are believing Mormons. And I think a big part of it is because I have other spaces to go share my post-Mormon thoughts and feelings with. Yeah. Where if you have a friendship, that's where you're getting all of that. You're never going to get from this person I think validation that's going to feel like really nice and healthy for you. But that doesn't mean that you can't be their friend. I just think I wouldn't go looking for any type of validation from a person who's just not in a spot to really give that to you. Yeah, totally. When I was leaving the church and I felt like so lonely and I was just going through it because I didn't really have anyone to talk to. That's exactly how I felt until I started talking to Maddie and I was like a year before her. And then just kept it all to myself. And then she was going through it at the same time. And then we were able to be that source for each other. And that was, I felt like I was able to get all of that, just have one person to talk to. And then it didn't affect any other relationships in my life. Because my husband, who still wasn't going to church, he did not want to know about any of the doctrinal Mm. issues. And I completely respect that. It's a lot to take on. It's a lot of information. It changes everything. And I totally get if someone doesn't want to know all of that. And so being able to talk to her and then eventually my mom about it, that aspect didn't affect the other relationships in my life. So I totally agree. Being able to find someone in that same phase of life is important to maintain other relationships that aren't in the same boat as you. Yeah. And it's I love what you said, too, about even the same is even true of your spouse. Mm -hmm. This is a trap that Bentley and I fell into big time when we first got married. And I think it's Esther Perel who talks about this most specifically. But she talks about the fact that we now look for in one person what we used to look for in a village. And the one person we look to for the thing a village used to provide is our romantic partner. Wow. And you're always going to be disappointed. I think it shows a really cool dynamic in your relationship that you were willing to say to Drew, you don't need to be this person for me. Yeah. I can't expect you to be every single thing that I need. Mm -hmm. But if you do need something, you can find certain things from other people. And that can actually maintain a healthy dynamic in a relationship, even a romantic one. Wow. Yeah. That's really, really profound. Yeah. Right. It was huge to read for me as a newly married 22 year old Mormon girl because I was realizing, oh, I'm putting so much pressure 
on one single person when in reality, I I can look for these other things in friends and in family members. Yeah. And I think you have to do that. And I think that's also true of friendships. You yeah. can't expect one friend to fulfill every friendship need. Exactly. And I've fallen in a trap when I first had kids of looking for validation from friends who hadn't had kids yet. Impossible. Into what I was doing as a mom. <laughs> yeah, impossible. How can they? Yeah. They don't know. Yeah. I mean, they you know, they can try, but it's like they don't know. Yeah. And it was so healing for me to find friends in a similar phase of life because it was like, you naturally validate me just by having the same experience as me. Yeah, you exactly. Know? So I feel like that could be a useful way forward. Yeah. And yeah, I would say just feel it out too, because I think to your point, like you can tell, I think it's this person seems willing to try and yeah. figure it out. So give it a shot. Yeah. And maybe it will phase out for a time and then maybe you'll find each other again if things change. But I would say it's important to find people that can validate you Agreed. in that yeah. sense. Okay, let's see. Oh, this one's interesting. I just had a friend break up with a large group of friends. That sucks so bad. That's rough. I don't feel that my boyfriend understands how intense and close female friendships are and therefore can't imagine my pain. Can you talk about these gendered friendship differences? Whoa. Interesting, right? There is something special about female friendships. It's something very, very, very different. And I didn't even realize it until after I had a child. And maybe it's because I had a daughter because Mm. I deeply understand women in a whole new level now that I've had a daughter. Yeah. And that has enriched my relationships that I have with other women. And I get that. I obviously male friendships are so important and they're just so different. I, he, Drew could never understand the relationships that I have with my female friends. Just like I probably can't ex- uh, understand the relationships he has with his guy friends. They are completely, completely different. But I don't know if men could ever truly understand the depth. Yes. It was really validating for me even to to read this because I was thinking like just what we were talking about with that previous question, your boyfriend doesn't understand and yeah. probably will never understand. And there's a difference here too if he's just like, well, get over it versus like, I think it's important no matter what the experience that people attempt to practice empathy, Yeah, obviously, And I think that's something you can expect. But I also think that, again, that might not be something you can ever fully get from your boyfriend. Yeah. You mentioned earlier with your cutting a friend out of your life therapy. And I think therapy is also underrated when it comes to navigating friendships. Yeah. It's like this neutral third party where you're not trying to get your partner to understand and you don't maybe don't have these other friends to talk to because you're losing your friends. You have this other person who's neutral and it's very helpful yes and i think something that happens with any breakup with any estrangement whether it's friends or romantic or a family member you learn a lot about yourself for better and for worse yeah and that's (gasps) difficult it's difficult to have to take a look in the mirror and say what's my part in this yeah how and why did this happen and that can be so lonely And it's something that no one will understand but you. Mm -hmm. And so I think having someone like a therapist to help you walk through that and think through that in ways that are healthy and beneficial is very, very useful. Yeah. And if therapy is not on the table for you right now, 
my mom is a huge resource for me because my mom's always on my side, which is nice, you know, and with she's like probably friendship been through stuff. It, yeah. And she's been through it and she's very wise. So maybe a a parent or an aunt or a sister, it just might be there might be someone else. And even if you don't feel like you have anyone super close to you, give it a shot. It could be worth calling a sister and just being like, I don't have anyone to talk to about this. And yeah. This is really hard. Yeah. It goes such a long way to be able to process vocally and have someone who's just willing to listen. Yeah. This might not be his area of expertise. If he's there for you and is, I'm so sorry this is happening, that might be all he's able to do in this situation. But like you said, if he's like, get over it, then yeah, you can ask for a little bit yes. more from him because we deserve support in a, in a situation like that. But yeah, him just being there for you, I don't think he will understand, to yeah. be honest. It's too, like you said, it's, and I. the other thing I wanted to speak to here is absolutely, yes, there is intensity and closeness in female friendships that make friendships both so beautiful, so wonderful, so rich, but can also be very complicated mm -hmm. and very, very difficult. Yeah. Because of how intense and close yeah, female sure. friendships are. Yeah. And I just want to speak to that yet again, even though we've been speaking to that in many different ways, because again, I just find myself feeling like with these friendship things, that is so normal. If you feel like this is really hard, this is really confusing and complicated in the same way that it can be so beautiful and wonderful and fulfilling. And I do think female friendships are unlike anything else. Yeah. And so they really are. Bless your little boyfriend's heart. But. I know. Hopefully he's trying. Hopefully he's trying. Yeah. <laughs> Have him like go, I don't know, take care of you in other ways. Yeah. Okay. Let's do a couple more. Um, I'm trying to see what we haven't touched on. Okay. Just moved to Seattle from Arizona. Making new friends seems utterly impossible. I keep trying to initiate connection, talking to other dog moms at the park, going to events, even attending an institute activity after years of avoiding church. I always end up feeling a little more lonely than before. Oh, that is so, so rough. I feel like this is one of those things that it just takes time. Yeah, I don't know how long she's lived there. If it's been like years and years and years, it's like, okay, let's find another option. But sometimes it just, you just got to keep pushing through it just takes patience i mean any type of important relationship in your life doesn't really happen overnight it really takes time and patience yes and you shouldn't feel broken or wrong or like you are not a worthy person of being friends with because it's taking time yeah it taking time is just unfortunately part of it and mm -hmm. if it makes this person feel any better bentley and i moved to san francisco right out of college. So we were with that tight-knit group of friends I spoke to mm. before. And I struggled so bad because I didn't have my family there. I didn't have this core group of friends there. And it was really difficult. And I was even going to church at the time. So I had this whole community to yeah. access. But even trying to make friends with the people in that community, I was finding really difficult. And it took time. Mm -hmm. And I would say it took eight months maybe to finally feel like, oh, we have like our people. We have the people we know we're gonna like go do certain things with. 
it took a long time, a lot longer than I expected. And I felt so broken. Like, what's wrong with me? Why is not everybody knocking down the door to come hang out with me? Like, hello, as I expected, naively. It has nothing to do with you. You're doing a phenomenal job. You're putting yourself out there. It's not a failure on your part. It's just something that it, it, it really does take a lot of time to adjust, especially when you're moving to a completely different area. Oh, yeah. I can't, cannot even imagine. I also think in not even just a situation like this, life in general, you have to love spending time with yourself. You've got to be taking yourself out on dates. You need to sit at a restaurant alone. You need to work through the uncomfortableness of that. You need to go to a movie alone. Like, you need to just get out in the world by yourself and love it. Like you have to be your favorite person to be with. And I do think that makes this a little bit easier because you're not constantly seeking companionship, which is, we need that companionship. It's so important. But in the meantime, you have to love being alone. Thank you so much for saying that. I think that is such an important, important piece of this puzzle especially if it sounds like this is not the boat this person is in. I realized at this stage in my life, I was in high school, then I went on a mission and I was with a companion, and then I got married within six months of coming home from my mission. I was never, ever alone. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. And it is not until very recently that I have really actively and really thoughtfully done things alone. Mm -hmm. There was a phase earlier this year when Bentley was traveling a lot and when I was kind of in a weird spot with friendships. And there was a night where his mom, she was coming over every Thursday night at this stage and Bentley and I would usually go on a date and I was like, Bentley's out of town. And I was literally racking my brain. Who can I reach out to? Who can I find that I can go to dinner and shopping with? And I like reached out to a couple friends that they weren't able to. And I was like, I can just go by myself. Yeah. I can just go by myself. And I had the loveliest time. Yeah. I really did. And I went and I did whatever I wanted and I ate whatever I wanted. And it feels a little different and uncomfortable. But since then, I've tried really actively to foster a love of spending time with myself. And that has done wonders for my self-esteem and has really helped me show up in friendships in a place of self-confidence and love as opposed to like desperation of I need people to do things with you know oh my gosh yeah I I started taking myself on dates in college 10 10, what was that yeah nine ten years ago and it seriously was the best thing I could have done for myself because I feel like I'm able to have better friendships because I am not desperately seeking out this companionship that is like so unnecessary if needed I'm good to be by myself. And also in a marriage, like Drew has been traveling 10 days a month, 10 days. Yeah. Every single month he'll be gone for 10 days. Yeah. And it's great. Like I'm fine to be alone and I'm fine to be independent. Me and him, we travel separately. We'll go on a trip with a friend. He'll all go on a trip by myself. Like not only is it important in a friendship to love being with yourself, it's important in a marriage too, because I think independence in general is just life-changing it's so life-changing and it is something that i think is so just with the way i laid out like so many life paths of so many mormon people you don't have the opportunity to gain independence a lot of time especially if you get married super young yes which is so common yes even if you don't get married super young i feel like there's this thing kind of baked into mormon culture at least as i've experienced it that's like 
almost prevents you from learning how to do that and how to be alone and to associate being alone with loneliness and sadness. And I still have to remind myself, it's not sad to spend time by myself. If I have a week where I don't have a friendship engagement, that's not a sad thing. Yeah. That's not a failure. Yeah. That can actually be like a wonderful time of self-reflection, of time with my children. It doesn't need to be like a sad thing to be by yourself. Mm -hmm. But I feel like we have have it ingrained in our minds that that's really sad and not only sad, but a failure of you as a person to have all these friends to do things with. But really, I think it's super important to get comfy with that. And it takes, I think, depending on where you are in life, it can take a lot of thoughtfulness. Like you have to be like really thoughtful about finding time to spend time with yourself and enjoy it. So I think that's huge. Yeah, totally. Yes. I... I'm sorry that this person is feeling lonely. It's a shitty feeling to yeah, feel. Yeah. And when you feel lonely, it feels like everybody else in the world is just thriving, thriving with yeah. billions of friends around <laughs> yeah. them. And it's simply not the case. Yeah. And I think you're doing a good job. One other thing I wanted to speak to with this, and let's end on this note, is finding community outside of the church, which of course we've talked about in many ways, but talking about really specifically One of the things that makes me really sad that I actually hear quite frequently is people who don't like going to church, don't believe it, don't want to be there, but they need the community so badly that they just continue to attend Mm -hmm. because they feel like that's the price they pay to access community. Mm -hmm. That makes me really sad that people feel like that is the only way that they can find community. It bums me out because I think Utah does a pretty poor job of fostering community elsewhere because so many resources go into community community building through the church. Yeah. People aren't practiced at it. Yeah. And I think it's getting much, much better. But I also want to speak to that experience because I think so many of these things apply to that. And I'm not saying if you're going to church for community and that feels good for you, by all means. Yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. If you're good with it, yeah. why stop? But if you feel like I got to get out of here, but I don't feel like I can because there's no community waiting for me, there is. And I think it takes a little bit of a leap and it's going to take a period of time, maybe longer than you would wish to find that new community. But as you said, with leaving the church, how you feel better and happier and more content now, you can feel that way in community as well. Mm -hmm. I just want to bear testimony of that fact because I just feel like the church kind of holds people hostage sometimes Mm -hmm. with that community thing in a way that is just, it's not true. There is community elsewhere and it takes, it does take a leap, but don't let the church lie to you and say that you can't find community if you leave. Yeah. And I think I'm not very well versed in this because like you said, in Utah, your community is the church or it, we have a very strong sense of family. So for a lot of people, your family is really, really strong. So maybe it's your family. But I don't think a community has to always be a large group of people. Like when you think of your ward, you have tons of people you can rely on. And I don't think that always has to be what a community is. It could be a couple of friends. It could be if you're not close with your family, it could be your neighbors. Like it could be two or three neighbors. Like that's a little community. And so sometimes it takes like shifting what you view a community or your village as it could just be two or three people. It's just 
other people outside of yourself that you can lean on if you need it, if you need to borrow something, if you need a babysitter, if you need emotional support, a friend to talk to, like it doesn't have to just be your ward. And like the girl who just moved to Seattle, like we were talking about, it takes patience to find another community if you're not close with your friends or your family. But I don't know, leaving, I was so close to my ward growing up, like I said, and then I got married in this ward. I just did not feel close to at all. I felt a little isolated in this, the current ward that I was in, but I had community within my family and within my many different little friend groups. I don't feel like any of my friend groups are humongous. They're all like kind of random spatterings of people, um, which is great. And those are my community. Yes. I love that. I think that's, it is a mental shift. Mm -hmm. And I think that it does require maybe a little creativity even. Totally. Kind of in those ways you're describing where it's, you're going to have to tap into different things in different ways, maybe than you're used to. I love that you brought up neighbors. One of the things that makes me so sad is how if you're not a member of the church in Utah, all community events usually run through the church. Yeah. So it's hard to meet neighbors because Masked if you're not- as a neighborhood. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And it's, if you go to the neighborhood party to meet people, then you're at a church function. So I feel really lucky because I have a lot of people that live in this area that are in a similar phase of life as mm-hmm. me. Having people geographically close has been such a gift for me for especially in the phase of life with children. And it sometimes just takes seeing a neighbor on the street and striking up a conversation and then getting their number and then dropping by some bread or texting them and saying, I'm running to get a drink at Swig. Can I grab you something? There's all sorts of ways you can start to create that community. And I think there's a really important thing with community, too, where you think community also doesn't always have to be like best friends like you can have community acquaintances exactly that you can still like we have people that it's like oh they're you know we had now we're actually friends with a lot of people in the neighborhood but for a while we hadn't like befriended people and we had left our door open once and luckily we had a neighbor's phone number and could text him oh my gosh we saw on our cameras our door is open could you go shut our door don't be afraid to rely on people don't be afraid to reach out to people for things that you need and to offer people service and help because you can form community in all these ways and you don't need to be best friends in order to access community too yeah and i bet that there are a lot of people listening who are well i'm not close with any of my neighbors my family lives far away from me i don't have friends in the area i feel very very isolated online communities are huge huge i think i feel like ash either talked about it when she was on with you Mm -hmm. or she talks about it a lot on her platform because she lives in a smaller town and her online community is huge for her yeah and i i think that's so important if you can't find people in close proximity in person having people online is really really important agreed yeah And I feel like online friendships can be so fulfilling and so helpful. I have friends on Instagram I've been friends with for years and I've never met. Totally. And I love them dearly. And you can go to them for certain things. You feel like they can validate you in certain ways. Mm -hmm. I've thought about this so much too. I was thinking with the person in Seattle or Seattle to Arizona or Arizona to Seattle where you can, especially as you're finding friends near you, 
online communities can be such a good bridge as well. Oh, yeah. To feeling yes, like, sure. like the faith journey mm-hmm. group. People will write in there really quite intimate things that they need help with. And they are met with hundreds of lovely, thoughtful input Yeah, from an online community. That's yeah. what it is. And that can really help fill in those gaps. And I do think that online community can be really, really helpful. And I also think online community can lead to in-person community. Oh, yeah, for which sure. Which is really lovely. Yeah. The last thing I want to say on this is there was a period of time when I was pregnant with the twins. We were pretty out of the church. And I had this thought of, damn, do I need to like go back to church for a minute so I can get like meals and stuff? Mm. I was just thinking like, how am I going to be provided for in a phase of life where I need so much help? And then I had the twins. And guess what? I had more help than I could have ever needed. And it wasn't from people in the ward who had to sign up on a list, which we could talk a lot about service and community of wards anyway, because it can be so beautiful and wonderful. It can also be a really strange community and a really duty bound community too. And it was just really lovely to see that I had community, right? I didn't need people in the ward to make me meals. I could reach out to friends. I could reach out to family. And I just think it's important to speak to the fact that there is so much love in the post-Mormon community. And there are so many people who are feeling these same growing pains that are also looking for friends and are looking for that community. And I have found so much just always blown away by the love in the post-Mormon community. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I know that doesn't make it necessarily easy to access, especially depending on location, but I just can't emphasize that enough. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And sometimes your ward is not even the community that you need them to be. I remember I was still really active and I had this really, really intense surgery where I couldn't use my dominant arm for like months. And I was like in the young women's presidency and not a peep. Not a peep, not a do you need anything. And I I know I'm married to a capable person, but I thought that's just what the ward did. I thought you just got meals like when you got surgery. Yeah, you're like, excuse me, I've put in my I've put in my time. (laughs) And so yeah, sometimes the ward isn't even who it's not the community for it, like that you need them to be. Totally. And that community is outside of the church. There's just there's so much hope. There's so much life outside of the church, so much happiness, and it just If it's rough right now, it gets so much better. Amen. Amen. I think that's the final thing I would say as well is just it's normal to go through ebbs and flows. Yes. It's normal to go through periods of loneliness. And I'm speaking from a place of having felt very, very lonely for a good, I would say, like the first maybe six to eight months postpartum were very hard for me with friendships. I did not feel like I had fulfilling friendships. I felt like friendships that I had in the past were falling away from me because of differences in life and people moving. And it sucks. Yeah. So bad. Yeah. It sucks. But I kept trying and I kept reaching out to people. And more than anything, as you've spoken to so beautifully, I really tried to focus on myself And we've spoken to this too, but I do think it's not to be underestimated. As you look inward, as you focus on yourself, like we were talking about with spending time alone, oftentimes the outcome of that is then finding community conversely, Yeah, you know? And if you're looking for something that 
you're trying to find outside of yourself, oftentimes that's in yourself. And once you find that and sit with that, then things happen too. Mm-hmm. All that to say, I just want to say that you're not alone. Everybody has gone through it and I'm sure I'll go through it again. But there are such lovely, wonderful people that are also looking for that. And sometimes it just takes a little courage, a little stepping out of the comfort zone to to find those people. Yeah, I agree. What was your formula? I want to reiterate that. It's shoot your shot and read social there you cues. Go. <laughs> <laughs> the reading social cues I love because it's like that's pretty much sums it up perfectly right there. Yeah. Thank you. You're such a perfect person to speak to this and you're so wise. I so appreciate your thoughts and your feelings and your opinions. And I'm so grateful that I get to be your friend. Thank you. I know. I'm so grateful that we're friends. And thanks so much for having me. It truly is such an honor to be on one of my favorite podcasts. Yay, I love Lucy it. at Girls Camp. I can't wait to have you back. Thank so much you. more to talk about. Thank Even you. your story. Anytime. I'm like, damn, I have so many follow-up questions. Thank you for being here. And Anytime. thank you everyone for listening. Bye. G-I-R-L